And now on the premiere episode of Dave and Dom Demystify, we take you back to the day when Dave Wallace and Domesh Mystery met. Was it like, say, the meeting of Lenin and Trotsky? Lenin and McCartney? Lemon and lime? Pish posh. It's better. From the studios of Contrarian, new media in the UK and US, comes the Dave and Dom Demystify show. Dave and Dom Demystify Show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Dom Mystery. Demystify. So Dom, you and I met, well I think it's almost 25 years ago now, and at that stage we worked for a company called Entranet. So Entranet was doing some interesting things. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Well, cut a long story short, we actually were going to sell a software package called WebObjects from Steve Jobs. So this is when Steve Jobs set up the next computer and the main package for developing applications was something called WebObjects and it was to create, you know, e-commerce applications. So totally ahead of its time, really. And you know, the only issue with that was that this package was like, you needed to be a rocket scientist. I mean, I was in tech all my life and I was writing code from, you know, mainframes to mid-ranges. I wrote C++ at the end. But to use this package was really difficult. And I thought, well, maybe it's just me because, you know, I haven't been writing code for some time. Let us give you some proper geeks, right? And we hired some developers and these were proper web geeks that really knew their stuff. We sent them on the course, they came back and they're just tapping the keyboard and not producing very much, right? And we kind of realized that this package was like ahead of its time in terms of what it was doing, but it wasn't very user-friendly. And so, you know, we were meant to deliver this online insurance shop for Eagle Star and the clock was ticking and the clock was ticking. And in the end, I just had to call a shot and say, well, look, guys, can we not use this web object stuff, right? Can we just cut the code? And actually, a couple of weekends before that, I was learning about the web myself. Like I knew HTML, but I didn't know how to write web applications. So I read a book and it was on CGI. And I'm thinking, this stuff is so backwards. Like stuff is so much easier in the client server. I'm as a Windows developer, right? And, you know, you had session handling and all this stuff built in. CGI just seemed like primitive. But I thought, well, look. This is how everyone else is building web applications. We're going to have to get somebody that does the front end, somebody to write some CGI stuff at the back end. You know, we had one guy on board already and we hired the other guy and we built it ourselves, right? And, and that's how really internet got going. We started building e-commerce solutions for the first time. Yeah, so when I joined the company, you already had Eagle Star. I'd come from Yellow Pages, which was at that stage trying to find its way in a kind of internet strategy way and i was immediately struck by the fact that you had a vision with the company to actually sell insurance online i mean that was very very appealing but i think what i was then struck by was how much emphasis was being put on the front end so 
not only were you thinking about the back end, but there was also a design problem that kind of needed fixing. So I remember coming in and my interview was with you and I had it was very relaxed. I even had my dog with me because we couldn't get a dog sitter. The only time I've ever taken a dog to an interview. But I just remember coming in and feeling like, wow, these people are going to kind of change the world. And we really did go through a process of kind of making that journey to buy insurance as easy as we possibly could. And things like postcode lookup, that was the first time I'd ever seen something where the magic of actually putting in your postcode and it producing your address and taking a kind of key step out of the sort of complexity of the process. And yeah, at the end of the day, we delivered this thing, which was just sort of mind-blowing. And as I say, the thing that people talked about was the interface, you know, and it was incredible for me that a kind of technology-focused space worked. And so I think from Eagle Star, we kind of moved on to the cooperative bank, which was putting a bank on the internet for the first time. So tell us a bit about that. So with a co-op bank, it was a bank that, you know, not many people really knew. It was, you know, really like a credit union in the UK. But they prided themselves on making the bank as accessible as possible. They didn't have a huge branch network, right? And they were already ahead of the game in terms of trying to use technology to reach customers further, right? So the internet was just kind of a natural progression of the stuff that they'd already done with the call center. They'd already trialed kiosks. They'd already done some banking on Sky TV. This was really primitive stuff. It was like, oh, teletext banking as well. Needless to say, none of those things really took off in a big way, right? But their whole kind of philosophy about banking anywhere, accessible from anywhere, was ingrained in the organization. So nobody had to be convinced that doing internet banking and, you know, being a multi-channel bank was something that customers would use. They just felt it would happen. So the co-op was one of the nice things about when we launched the co-op bank, it was the first internet bank based on Java. But we launched it also on the very first Windows C handheld computer and also in a Java kiosk station. And just the design of it, I mean, you should speak about the design. That was a concept that just transcended everything on the web. It was well ahead of its time. Yeah, so I think the starting point from an interface was just a very traditional web-based interface, which it really felt very, very flat and uninspiring. And I think we were all a bit troubled by that because we could see that this was going to be one of the first banks to go online in the UK and we wanted to make a kind of great impression. But also we wanted to make it as user-friendly as possible. So actually what we did is using the kind of Java framework was came up with an interface where it felt like you could actually pick it up off the screen and take it away. And there were buttons which when you press them depressed. And I mean, as I'm talking about it, it almost feels kind of ridiculous to say it because of what you can achieve through things like HTML5. But then it was kind of groundbreaking. So we had this thing around proprioceptive feedback, which if you press a button, it should go down and it should spring up when you kind of click off it. And it worked incredibly. I mean, the co-op was so pleased with it. It kind of created a revolution. I mean, we even won a few awards for the interface itself. But again, it felt like we were truly at the kind of cutting edge of financial services. And I'd sort of venture that actually back then we were doing fintech in a way that many businesses are trying to kind of solve things today. 
And that, you know, rolled us forward into a few other banks and brands. So we did some work on a credit card solution, another bank as well, where we applied that logic of kind of the Java interfaces, but with a kind of strong design. And that really set the tone. And I think for us, that company, that business was incredible. I mean, you even ended up on TV, didn't you? (laughs) Because the work we did became so famous that, Darmish was invited on to a programme called Tomorrow's World, which was all about future gazing. And we did a piece around some voter stuff, which was kind of interesting as well. But I think for both of us, it kind of set the tone for what we did kind of going forward. So as Intranet disappeared because it had its moment, we then went on to other and different things. Yeah, I'm just going to go back on a point about the design stuff, because Dave is too modest to blow his own trumpet. But... You know, what happened with the co-op bank was that every user interface was different flavors of crap. It was a newspaper put onto a screen and just had a basic font, etc. right? So everything felt the same in effect, which was rubbish. And what we had to do was convince people to use the internet and for the first time to do their banking. So there was a few things. When Dave's team went into this, they said, look, first and foremost, people need to feel safe. This thing has to feel solid and safe as an application, right? People need to know that their data is not going to be shared. It's not like any other web page. So when we've done the research, the other thing that we said was, how do we get people to do their own banking? It's the first time they're going to be doing this, right? Otherwise, you normally go into a branch and somebody else does it. Nobody uses a screen. And then they said, yeah, but they do. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. And then we're going to take some money out from the cash point. Bingo. That was a light bulb moment because basically the co-op bank interface was designed like a banking ATM machine with the buttons down the side. The screen looked like it had a beveled edge to it, just like an ATM. Now, what Dave's team managed to do was to bridge this divide from the new internet era into the real world to something familiar to users. And that's why it won all the usability awards, right? I think I'd forgotten a lot of that because internet banking's become so ubiquitous. But you're, ah, you're too modest. But you're right. No, you're right. I mean, that was kind of our primary aim was to make people feel like this was something solid on their screens and that kind of solidity was something that was worth trusting. So, look, I think that's kind of enough from us this week. I mean, one of the other things we were going to talk about was something I call Tweet of the Week, where we look at something that's called our eyes on Twitter. And the tweet that caught my eyes from Oliver Smith is Monzo's 2020 results cast uncertainty, material uncertainty on the bank's future. So Darmish, I just wanted to ask about that, because that was, for me, a bit of the death knell sounding for Monzo. What was your take on that? Well, I mean, look, we know that Metro Bank in 2006 was the first new bank in the UK in 100 years. And subsequently, because of open banking, we seem to have a plethora of more new banks, Monzo being one of the very first to get a full banking license. But, you know, what's also interesting, and people have forgotten that it took Metro Bank, you know, a good eight years before they turned their first profit. So why are we expecting Monzo to turn their first profit much, much sooner than that? The fact is, it takes time to build up the audience and the client base, right? And as long as they're growing... As long as their audience is growing, as long as their revenue is growing, that's all that matters. It's a growth play. And so as long as the 
cost or the loss is funding that growth, then that's fine. If they're not growing and they're slowing on revenues, then that's a problem. Yeah, so we're going to have to wait and see. But I think that's the kind of interesting perspective because, you know, when I was looking at the comments, there was a split camp in terms of what that comment made. But anyway, that's us. Thanks for listening. And either tune in next week or the dog dies. Um, It's up to you. Okay, cheers. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Dan Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of Contrarian New Media, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.